back to On the Block with Stricken Bach on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. This is On the Block here on 93.7 The Ticket. I'm Jake Bachman. He is Eric Strickland, and we are on the block every weekday from 4 to 6 here. Uh, I did want to mention this before we get to Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Last night I went uh, went out to the movies and saw the movie Scream. You a big uh, Scream fan, Strick? Uh, I'm, I'm, I saw it when I was going to the cigar lounge yesterday to just grab a few before I went back to, um, to check out the site. And, man, I, I peeped it out and I was like, are they trying to do a remake of it or what's going on? So I, I, I'm intrigued because I was... I was a fan of the franchise and, and I'm interested to see kind of where they tried to take it and what they did with it. It seems like everybody is trying to do a remix of something. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I saw the remix of Dune and I saw the remix of, you know, some of the other movies that are out there. The one that I'm really interested in seeing is an Avatar 2 or, oh, yeah. or some, for, some form of a remix there. And, uh, you know, kind of where they take that. But there's some there's some movies out there that they're trying to remake, you know, Shaft and, you know, just a lot of them. They kind of brought them back. And so it's going to be interesting. Yeah. The original ideas uh, don't work out in Hollywood too much anymore. Now it, it is. Uh, it's, it's it's kind of uh, just regurgitating uh, past decades and what has worked in the past. And it works pretty well, especially when you get like, you know, someone like you said, um, oh, for me, it was there's one screen. Wait, real quick. There's one other that just popped in my head. It's Predator. I'm I'm oh, interested yeah. to see what they where they go with that. I see. I hear that they're trying to do something with that. So that's another one that I'm interested. In oh, they got to bring Arnold Schwarzenegger back for that one. But Ooh, I, I, that would be good. <laughs> I just like it. I like it because now you know it, it's the same thing. Like when I was growing up, my parents would say, "Oh, they made this before, or whatever." And then I liked my generation's version of it. Um, but just to see kind of the new takes on them are, are very cool. Uh, Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald joining us now on the On of Lincoln Hotline for. 402-464-5685. Evan, were you a big Scream fan? Yeah, I was. It, you know, it's interesting. I have talked to some people uh, younger than all of us are who grew up only knowing Scream through the scary movie series, you oh, know, yeah. the, the parody movies. And so oh, wow. I, I've heard some people who only knew that who have seen the new Scream thinking like, hey, is this is this supposed to be funny? Is this a joke? Like, it, it's kind <laughs> of a weird deal, but... Yeah, the thing that the original Scream stood out because it was the first sort of look of, of like, what a horror movie was. Like, it broke down, you know, the slasher films and, and kind of the ridiculous nature of it while yeah. actually being a pretty good scary movie in and of itself. So I haven't seen the new one yet, but big fan of the franchise and... uh you know, it, it's something that so many other movies have sort of riffed on since then. So it's uh, it's pretty good. So, Evan, real quick... Um... What's your favorite scary movie? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and you know that exact thing. Like it, show, if some people think that's funny, like ah, you know, scary movie. But yeah, like the, that original scene. I, when I yeah. first saw that, that was terrifying. I mean, that's that's, that's exactly great right there. <laughs> hey, Evan, you know which one though? And, and you, you may be old enough to remember. And I don't know, Jake, if you remember this one. But it was the one where the one that really terrified me that kind of gave me that similar flow was um, the one where the guy was in the house and the girl was babysitting and and he would be, have you checked the children? And she would be like, (laughs) what is it? And then all of a sudden, you know, they found out they called the police and they found out he's in the house. He's in the house. You don't remember that one? Mm -hmm. I do. I mean, even just talking about it, like you get the goosebumps. I'll give you one more. For for me, 
one of the best moments in scary movie history was the original Child's Play with Chucky, you know, the doll. And and when the mom uh, opens up the the case, the doll had been talking and talking, and she opens up the case, and the batteries fall out. And she walks over and has to, you know, it's the slow walk to the doll sitting on the couch, opens it up. Guess what? No batteries. No batteries. (laughs) Those kind of chilling moments. I mean, that's the best. Yeah, I, I love our little scary movie topics, uh, but we better get to some sporting news as well. But I, I would encourage anybody, that if they haven't seen the new Scream, uh, it's it's pretty good. So go back, go out and watch it. Um, we were talking about, uh, before we had you join, um, something that was kind of interesting. John Cook joined uh, early break here on the ticket um, the other day and said, you know, things like, um, you know, that, that he, well, first of all, said that he did uh, apply to be the athletic director here after, uh, the you know, Bill Moose was kind of pushed out. Um, and he described Nebraska athletics as being at the edge of a, of a cliff you know so it, it just it sounds like um not all was well uh, under bill moose there toward the end um how do you think that this his legacy is gonna is going to end up being it does it ultimately just have to do with if these guys can get it turned around or the fact that they weren't able to get it turned around under his watch would all the credit even if they do get it turned around um go now um to current athletic director trev alberts well, it is. It's an interesting time in Nebraska history was, was Bill Moose's. I mean, he, he was hired to do a job, essentially, and that was to find a new football coach and, um, you know, find a new basketball coach. And it's, it's so interesting to look back in hindsight because, of course, in those moments, those were the home run hires. Those were the guys that fans clamored for. Those were sort of the, the no-brainer uh, selections with in-state ties. I mean, Scott Frost was coming off of a, an undefeated season at UCF, and Fred Hoiberg still, I mean, it, you know, it, the Bulls' tenure didn't work out, but he was still a hot commodity off of what he did in college at Iowa State as a coach. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's tough because I don't think anybody could have dreamed back then that the struggles would have endured in those major men's revenue-producing sports the way that they have. And so I don't know that you can put – you know, I don't know that you can lay that at the feet of Bill Moose when just about anybody would have uh, made those same decisions at that time. He also hired Will Bolt, who's turning out to be a pretty good decision for the baseball side. But, you know, I think more than anything, uh, it, it was sort of that uh, he, the fact that he just wasn't around that often. I mean, he was back on his ranch in eastern Washington. Um, you know, he, he was just he wasn't a, a very present sort of AD. He was a hands off guy. And, you know, a lot of coaches probably didn't necessarily care for that. And when I, when I think of John Cook's comments and this idea that Nebraska athletics was on the edge of a cliff, to me, you know, I just think of this idea that the more the losing seasons pile up, the more there's danger of apathy setting in or the more there's danger of sort of this younger generation saying, you know, this isn't very fun. I'm going to look elsewhere for my entertainment, maybe with another team, maybe, you know, outside of college sports, whatever it might be. And so you have to find a way to rein that back in. You have to find a way to make uh, those major sports exciting for fans, for make that something that they want to go back to, something that they enjoy. And, you know, Trev Alberts, by all accounts, has has been, you know, a mentor to Scott Frost. I think that's been evident and how he's conducted himself and some of the moves that he's made in the offseason. And, you know, it just he's a very present AD. He attends, you know, you go to a rifle event, he's probably going to be there. Go to a bowling event, he's probably there in addition to the big stuff. And I think uh, that sort of, um, you know, focus 
throughout the department and certainly with the major sports is, is going to uh, benefit Nebraska moving forward. Hey, Evan, EB, it's Strick. Listen, um, you wrote a good article about uh, Trey Palmer, and I really enjoyed that. I, I thought it was a very good article. One of the things I liked about what he said and, and he quoted and is that, you know, I just want to start somewhere fresh and new and have new beginnings. And and the one thing I loved about what he said, he says, I'm going to shock the world. Do you like um, – do you think it's overconfident or do you think it's good to have that type of confidence coming in when there is a void and there's a need for – a top tier number one guy at that wide receiver position that's wide open. I, I love the attitude and the confidence. I mean, that's something Nebraska has needed for a while. I mean, both as a, a wide receiver, a game breaker, and also certainly in the return aspect of the game too, where Nebraska just hasn't had an explosive guy really since JD Spielman, and, and you could go you know farther back before that since they've just had a game-breaker in that part of the game. And so, you know, you look at what Palmer has done at, at LSU. I mean, he, he's, returned, he's returned to kickoff against South Carolina. He's returned to punt. He's, had, he's come up with big plays uh, in terms of catching the ball in big moments in SEC games. And, you know, if you can have that kind of production at that level, if you have the pedigree of a former five-star recruit, um, then coming to Nebraska, yeah, you should be feeling good about what you can do. Not to say that it's a big step down or anything like that, but if you can produce uh, and you have SEC film the way that he does, then you know suddenly this idea of playing Ohio State or playing Michigan or whatever uh, is just another big game, and it's a big game um, you know that he has experience already playing in. So, absolutely, I think that's the kind of swagger that you want. I think that's. The kind of swagger that Mickey Joseph has as a as an assistant coach, as a recruiter who's bringing in these kind of players, and you know, it, it, you talk about flipping a lot of these close losses and and finding a way to get to a bowl game and beyond. I think part of that is with this kind of attitude that says, you know, how not how can we turn it around or you know, um, what do we have to do to break through? But just this idea that it's going to happen, we're going to do it. You know, I have the ability to do it. All that stuff, I think. Um, that swagger does tr- tend to translate onto the field. I think if you watch his highlights, you see that. And certainly those are positions of need for Nebraska. And if he can translate that over, that's going to be a major upgrade, I think, to, to what Nebraska has, maybe on par with uh, what Casey Thompson will deliver at quarterback and maybe Brian Buscini at, at punter too. But I think Trey Palmer's right there when you look at some of the biggest uh, impact transfers for 2022. Uh, some news today, too. Iowa Athletic Director Gary Barta uh, said that the Big Ten is considering scrapping their divisions and going to an eight-game format. Uh, this as part of their deal, obviously, to get more games going with the Pac-12 and the ACC and the, that handshake agreement they have there. Um, the idea with that would be then that uh, Nebraska and every team in the Big Ten would have uh, three permanent uh, crossover games that they play year in and year out, and then kind of a round robin from there for the scheduling. Um, so they, you know, they play the remaining teams um, every few years or whatever. Um, do you you think that that's good for Nebraska, I guess, going away from uh, a very attainable vision? Because it seems like for the Big Ten, it might be better in the long run to get the two best teams in the championship game. Um, but what does that mean for Nebraska, do you think? Yeah, I mean, that that proposal that I read, um, it sounded like there would be these pods and maybe Nebraska's pod of, of teams that they would play every year would be like Minnesota and Iowa and Wisconsin, I think it was. Uh, which would be interesting. I mean, it, it, 
I think you could make the argument either way. Like, as it stands, certainly the West Division is the easier division to win when you're when you're opposite of Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan and, and Michigan State. Um, but you know, at the same time, like it, it would just depend on how the rotation played out. Because if you you know say, for example, your your schedule hits in such a way that maybe you don't play. Um, you know Northwestern when they're when they're having a good season, or maybe you don't play Purdue when they're having a good season. But you get Indiana and you get Rutgers and you and you get you know maybe Michigan State when they're down. Like I think you could you could play it out to where it could be advantageous on the other side too. Um, but it, it, it's true. Like if you're talking about getting into a Big Ten title game, and in that scenario you'd have to finish top two in the regular season. Uh, it's true that that would be more difficult, I think, for Nebraska. I think that's not going out on a limb to say, um, because in that situ- situation, you're you're obviously go- going up against Michigan and Penn State and Ohio State and everybody else. Um, but you know, it's it's interesting because it's all sort of contingent on what happens with the college football playoff. And and I know Trev Alberts uh, told us this uh, a few months ago, and, and other people are, are sort of reporting it now that. Um, you know they're they're sort of waiting to decide whether to go back to eight conference games is the Big Ten, depending on whether the playoff expands to eight teams or sixteen teams or whatever it might be. And you know, so I do think there is sort of this other side of it that is pretty interesting. Where hey, you know, if you're playing eight Big Ten games and maybe you play um, an ACC opponent every year or a Pac-12 opponent every year, I think that'd be fun too, just for the, the chance to travel and for Nebraska fans and other Big Ten fans to see teams from out of the conference. But, um, you know, a lot up in the air, and I think, again, it just sort of boils down to there needs to be resolution with the college football playoff before these other conferences, including the Big Ten, really start to respond. Hey, Evan, what do you think about this? Um, you know, obviously there was um, the COVID situation and the postponement of games made it a little difficult, and then all of a sudden you have a pop-up on a Thursday for uh, a double match for Wisconsin, uh, both men's and women's. What do you think about that format, and how do you think that'll play out? And and do you think that could be good for, for the basketball program uh, to do things like that every now and then? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'd be for it. It kind of has that high school vibe, right, of like girls and boys varsity going, and, um, you know, it's not quite like that, but just – this idea that you could have spend an afternoon in and around PBA. You go to the women's game, maybe you go out and grab a bite or grab a drink, and then you come back for the men's game. I, I think that's that'd be a ton of fun, and and you know certainly with the COVID pause, there's an appetite to get back out there. And kind of like we've discussed before, um, I think some of the downtime could actually benefit the men's team coming off of some of their COVID issues and and some of their injury issues, and just psychologically. And then the women's side, I mean, they've just been a ton of fun to watch and the way they've uh, found ways to win games and be competitive and have some star power and have some fun doing it with their bench celebrations and all this. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're sort of in the doldrums of winter here where we're a long way from football season where it's still too cold to be thinking too much about baseball and spring sports. And so, yeah, if you can camp out inside – PBA for an afternoon and evening and uh, take in some competitive games. Um, I think that's only positive. One last question for you from my side. Um, so they're going to have to do something quite unique being that they're coming off COVID protocols. They're going to have to wear a mask this game. So who is your greatest mass marauder in any sport 
of all time? Uh, masked Marauder. Like, yeah, so so they got to wear a mask. So, like, uh, for example, when Kobe had to wear it from when he broke his 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 nose, so forth and so on, and then you had uh, other players, and you have wrestling, you know, you have wrestling also, like, Rey Mysterio out there, you know. <laughs> so who, who's, like, your greatest mass marauder? Okay, well, hmm. I'm going to have to go, I, you know, I'm a San Antonio Spurs fan, so I'm going to go Ooh. Manu Ginobili when he wore ah. the face mask after a broken nose and, and Guys didn't do that a lot, I don't believe, at that time. And, you know, it was kind of the clear mask. And, um, you know, he, he was at the height of sort of his sixth man stardom at that time. And it sort of added a little mystique to it. Mm. And I, I think it wasn't too long after that that he, he like, swatted down a bat inside their their home <laughs> arena. So I, I think the, the, the mask, if I remember right, sort of added to the, the, the mystique of what he was doing at that time. So I'll go with Manu Ginobili. Oh, that's a very good answer. I think he did swat that bat on Halloween Day, of all things. I think that was quite a, quite a fun time. Manu Ginobili was awesome. Uh, he's Evan Blaine of the Omaha World. Harold, uh, Evan, thanks for your time uh, this week. We'll give you a call back next week. Hey, thanks, guys. This was fun. All right, there he goes. Again, Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Uh, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, you're going to want to call right now, actually, 402-464-5685. It's time for Shootout with Strick, your chance to win $15 to Buffalo Wings and Rings. All you have to do is beat Strick in our shootout game. Today, uh, the topic is Kobe Bryant. It's two years after. Uh, this is the two-year anniversary of, actually, Kobe's passing. So uh, we will do a little game show based on Kobe Bryant, your chance to win $15 to Buffalo Wings and rings call right now 402-464-5685 that's next right here on on the block <laughs> 